You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland, the show where artists talk about their work. I want to remind you that KBOO is a volunteer-powered community platform. That means we are funded by you, the listener. If you're enjoying this program, please show your support by making a contribution today or better yet, become a monthly sustaining member. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text the letters KBOO to the number 44321. Thanks very much. My name's Joseph Gallivan and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is curator Jeff Yarn. His show Biomass is on now at 608 Northwest 13th Avenue in the Pearl District through August 27th on Saturdays and first Thursdays. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Jeff. It's always great to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think we can all say that, <laughs> which is kind of the point of the show. Right, so you put together the show Biomass. The theme is animals and plants or animals? Just animals and the idea is also a little bit of a nod to the fact that maybe we've all survived a long pandemic and that we're all sort of in this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are part of that biomass. I also, I curated the show because there was a, a large international convention by the Animal Behavior Society at the Oregon Convention Center. And uh, some scientists involved with it are, happen to be old friends of mine. And uh, the, a major eco-economist with New School, uh, Lark Lowe Sontag, who's married to one of my friends, uh, said, you curate shows, why don't you curate a show? And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Has the conference happened? Yes, it happened, uh, it was the, I believe, the 11th through the 15th of July. And did they come here and dig the show? Yep, and uh, Lark and I did a curatorial walkthrough, because she'd really not seen any of the work. We talked about the idea behind the show, but then it was up to me to execute it as mm-hmm. the curator. Yeah. So you went through your Rolodex of Portland artists and Oregon, wider Oregon? Yeah, wider Oregon. I mean, there's some people from uh, Washington State in here too. Mm I, I wanted to have a, a little bit of a reunion, and so it's very heavy on Gen X arts. I being a Gen X person and kind of a Gen X ringleader in the now new Portland that is now much older. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I also recognized that I needed to uh, bring some new people in, so I've been going through shows actively, and I found a bunch of new younger artists that I wanted to highlight as well, mm-hmm. and also some that you know they, there's a six, there's an over a sixty year age span of the artists in the show. Yeah. So you're, you're in this classic old warehouse with the sort of half-painted floor. Looks like you painted the walls white. There's a lot of po- uh, columns and old pipes. It's a nice old space. Everything is on, well, a lot of it is on the floor, on little plinths and on the walls. And as you come in on the left, turn left, and you see a, a man trap, one of those metal things, a bear trap thing. It's a bear trap. A bear trap, right? Sort of rusty metal steel and then in it is a neon flashing 
sign that just says eat. Who's this by? Uh, this is by uh, Portland artist Brian Borello. A lot of you know his public art. He's one of the most well-known public artists. Uh, uh, there's a, this is kind of a greatest hit show in, in a lot of ways too. Um, but he, he, the, the Silicon Forest sculptures outside the Moda Center that are kind of this forest that light up using um, uh, solar panels, that's his work. And you, you see it on the Max lines and all sorts of other things too. Mm -hmm. And then right next to it is a, looks like a little brown bear cub, but the head is multicolored, it's painted, and uh, the teeth are very sharp, it's sort of a cartoony looking bear, and it relates to uh, this owl, which is high on a perch as you come in the door, um, sort of a grey and black owl, again it has a multicolored face. Well, what's um, what's the name of these? Well, uh, the, the uh, owl and bear, uh, and the owl is named owl, and the bear is named bear. You never oh. know. But uh, the artist is Kendra Larson, uh -huh. and uh, she's uh, a curator herself. Uh, she's been running the Archer Gallery up at Clark College, and uh, she shows with Algen Gallery in town. And uh, uh, but she's not. A lot of people haven't seen these animal-related works in town. She did one of the artist talks uh, this last weekend. I learned a bunch about these, these new pieces that I didn't really think of her at first. I actually had to apologize to her at the talk because I was like, I didn't immediately think of you because I'm used to seeing her do more landscapes, but she also does animal mixed media collage mm -hmm. sculpture. And all the three artists that spoke at uh, last weekend were somewhat collage based. Mm -hmm. The, um, but does this, this owl survey the room? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the way I, cur I curate exhibitions as if it's inhabited, as if it's a forest, and I like this forest of columns, and I really wanted it to kind of had that surveillance and um, Frank Lloyd Wright would often talk about how a space will be, have a little compression and then open up into a larger thing. That's what this does. This creates a certain uh, gaze and you're being surveyed. And like just also Corey Arnold's uh, uh, house bear here, which is mm -hmm. the first time this has ever been shown. I love this picture. It's the most awesome photograph. You've blown it up, right? By about four by three feet sort of thing. Uh, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's about yeah. that size. And, and uh, it's in a brown frame and then there's a brown bear emerging from a brown house onto brown straw with a shed in the background, which is also brown. And he's coming out of like a basement window. A giant body is coming out of this tiny window. It's a cabin in Lake Tahoe. Remember during the beginning of the pandemic where the bears were not hibernating and were breaking into people's summer and winter homes and eating Cheetos through the winter? This is one of those bears. And, and Corey, uh, who shoots for National Geographic, had an assignment with it and had a whole spread and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. this is one of the edgy photos. Mm -hmm. And it's never been shown like this. It's mm -hmm. never been framed up and shown before. Matter of fact, Corey himself has not seen it yet. I had to take photos of it because he's oh. in Alaska fishing for crab. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, uh, very dangerous stuff. And uh, the, the bears given him the once over and yeah, appraising the it. eyes seem to be, his face is looking away, but his eyes are looking at you. And it's kind of a metaphor for uh, coming out of the pandemic as well. So, and also in this way to the egress, or this is the ingress into the space. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's kind of the butler. <laughs> <laughs> another, uh, another large animal in the shows, you come in straight in front of you in the middle of the room, 
sitting on two wooden pallets. It's this big black wooden mountain lion or tiger. It's a tiger and it's, it's, tiger. it's called the tiger. Uh -huh. And it's a, a, a this uh, Shelby Davis and Crystal Shank, a husband-wife team, they, they also do some major public art. This is actually a piece that lives at Caldera Arts in the, mm -hmm. um, in the Cascade Range and lives in their great meeting hall. And uh, they're obsessed with the story of a, a, a tiger in India where uh, the, the farmer kills off the members of the tiger family, except for one of them, presumably for taking livestock. Uh, just doing what they have to do to live and uh, the, the tiger that he doesn't finish off comes back to get him kills him in his bed <laughs> and uh, exacts revenge and this and I, apparently a pr true story probably with all sorts of apocryphal things added mm -hmm. to it <sighs> so it looks like wood painted black I mean it's not your traditional tiger coloring um, and then the wood is has these cracks in it as though it, the thing was assembled. They're either mm -hmm. natural cracks from a tree or it was assembled or something. It it's a bit like of a, a kit. It's a bit of a, yes, a many hundreds of pounds of kit that came on the biggest truck of stuff to come in here. Mm -hmm. It was a big flatbed they brought into the loading dock. And yeah. uh, it's actually uh, blackened. Uh, so it lives in front of a fireplace in a oh, okay. great hall. Uh, so it's blackened and, you know, it's the revenge tiger. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also uh, been carved with a chainsaw. Right. Lovingly right. carved with a chainsaw. Uh -huh. You're a bit more delicate than your average chainsaw art, right? Yeah. No, chainsaw art can be very delicate. Can and it? It, it's, it, it's a moving, powerful piece. And it has a tremendous presence because it's about real size. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like eight feet long or something. Yeah, and that's they, a good so, 600 pound tiger. Right, so the, the tiger's on its belly, this front paw, left paw's curled under a bit, other one sticking out, the feet are off to one side, and the big thick tail is sticking out, but it's turned up a little at the end. Um, it's, yeah, it's such a, a massy piece of wood, you know. Yeah, it has a tremendous presence. I love the one paw that's sticking down over and touching the floor as it's sitting on a series of uh, wood pallets. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but the one paw is just sort of touching the floor, a little bit like um, God touching Adam. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's the Michelangelo of chainsaw <laughs> art. I, they do lots of public commissions, you know, they had, uh, and I, I'm certain that if you commission them a Sistine Chapel, they will make you a chainsaw <laughs> art Sistine Chapel. Does, so this has already had a life. I mean, it's, yes. a, it's a sculpture from a, an art center. Why is it here? And when does it go back? Um, it goes back after the show. I'm, and uh, it's here because I think that they've never really shown it here in Portland. And they really loved it uh, and wanted it to be seen. And this is your opportunity to see it. Mm -hmm. Because it's only a few people uh, who see the Caldera Arts Center thing. I keep thinking I need to go and apply for a residency there, but it's, oh, it's too busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be able to take time off of your schedule to go into the woods and camp out. Yeah. <laughs> and behind that, against the wall, is another uh, very interesting piece. So it looks like a kind of black block kid sitting down. He's a bit punky. He's got studs on his hoodie, uh, like an armless denim jacket in black. Black hoodie, patches with uh, like fabric patches with wolves and dogs on in white. And then um, sitting on a box 
and in in the box is a bunch of rabbit sculptures, deers, yarn, some uh, leaves and things, and then surrounding the whole thing is a ring of salt, like chunky kind of, you know, kosher salt, salt bay salt. Um, and then when you crouch down, because the figure is hunched a little, then you realize it's, it's not a, a person, it has kind of a wolf's face. It's the dark arts section of the show, uh, we like to say. Um, uh, the name of the piece is Empowered Meat, and it's the youngest artist in the show, a recent MFA grad from PNCA, which I picked this right out of their MFA thesis show. At, and uh, actually some of their artists, their teachers came through and saw it and told me backstories of them kind of creating the thing. But uh, What's the artist's name? Uh, the, na the name is Buck Corvidae Schulte, and uh, it's, uh, talking about the transformative experience, there's, there's an aspect of animal art that is often like lycanthropy, where you've got your werewolves and other mm -hmm. things. Well, some people are going through changes as well, and this could be a, a seen as a bit of a metaphor for that as, as well. It's a, it's a powerful, very raw uh, piece that is honest. And I like the punk rock energy because, you know, you do one Donald Judge show in this town and everybody thinks that all you like is minimalism. Um, <laughs> and Meaning you. Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but you're a bit more punk. Oh, uh, I, I have very eclectic tastes, which is why I generally do very good group shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just to the right of that, they're hanging from the ceiling. Now, this reminds me of the lampshade in Lenny Kravitz's Miami <sighs> penthouse, I, which was in a I have a New problem Times with Lenny Kravitz. Uh, <laughs> this is a giant black ball of feathers, and then sticking out, like raised all in the sphere, are peacock feathers. So it's this giant kind of sunburst of feathers and it's standing, it's hanging from the ceiling in the window, and below it is a little sort of bell jar about six inches high on a, a tall metal pedestal, and there's something in a kind of jewel box within the bell jar. Now, wh who's the artist and why are they together? Um, well, that's Wendy Given, and uh, that the piece is called Cotta Pavanas, and it's actually oh, what does that mean? Uh, uh, it, it means the peak, the tail of the peacock, but it's actually an alchemical term about when some materials are about to putrefy and turn black. It it sort of makes a tail like this. And um, this once again is our our dark art section of the um, of the show. Um, I like it because it's a little bit of a supernova of feathers. Uh, looks yeah, a little like bit exploding it, planet. I don't know how many people made the connection, but it, it does look a little bit like a, a COVID virus uh, oh, yeah. as well. So this thing is kind of hanging. It's also the eye in the sky if you like the Adam Alan Parsons project. <laughs> but it, it it other people have called it a disco ball, but it is like a giant eye in the sky and mm -hmm. kind of look at it. Uh, and uh, she actually runs the art program at uh, the PDX airport. So th this is a show full of ringers with some new people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the name again? Uh, Wendy Given. And this is one of my all-time favorite pieces of art, and I have been looking for an excuse to show this. Uh -huh. uh, and it was, uh, it's a lot of effort from the artist to put it together. Let's just put it that. It, it has to be reassembled and re the force. Uh, Feathers and stuff need to be resourced, but this is the perfect place to show it in front of a window. Mm -hmm. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is curator Jeff Yarn. He's talking about the show Biomass, 
which is on now in the Pearl District through August 27th. So the, under Wendy Givens um, kind of feather ball, there's mm -hmm. this other piece. I think it's, it's a moth in yes. a kind of jewel case, sort of almost magnified by the, by the cut glass it's in. What's this piece called? It's a, it's a Victorian case and it's called Death's Head Hawk Moth, which is what it is. If you look at it, you can see that there's like a skull on the back of the thorax mm -hmm. of, the, of the hawk moth. Mm -hmm. and um, It's big, it's like three inches. Yeah, long. it's a big moth. And, uh, you know, uh, and she determined that she wanted to show it like this, one piece directly above the other, which is very bold. And, um, you know, it's the sort of thing that if you let the artist install it, sometimes they'll do things that are gutsier or, or you know, I would have to. I would ask an artist before I did that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I love the the installation of this, and it's directly in front of two very large windows that uh, really feature everything. When you first walk into the space, you see th through the entire kind of cathedral esque length of the space. Mm -hmm. The windows look out on the old Portland, right? Because. Um Blue Sky used to be in here. Yeah, they, they were kind of next door to uh, this space. So okay. if you were to punch through these walls, you might get into the old Blue Sky space. But outside, it's all fenced off, like they're gonna, they're gonna build something. Oh, well, there's a parking lot, and yeah, they're, the things are always changing around here. There's a large warehouse uh, that was there before. Mm -hmm. And this building, the Maddox building, is actually on the National Historical Register. Do you subscribe to the, uh, the idea that artistic activity brings economic development? Um, well, other than the fact that I've pretty much proven it, you know, uh, with uh, talking about... When I first moved here, people said you couldn't expect more interesting art in this town, and I kind of waged a war uh, about this, where you have a lot of multimedia art and a lot of other things. That, and we ended up having over 17,000 artists in a town this size, which is a lot. And, um, and uh, it made Portland's reputation. I'm trying to reignite that. I'm trying to, it's, and this is really done for the artists. The show was done to help remind the artists of what they do and one another and get them out of their basements and studios, talking to one another again and really seeing the energy. They feed off of this sort of thing. But also Portland needs to know how to take care of its artists. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, the city civically has not done a great job of that. There's a lot of galleries, but the gallery scene is a lot less adventurous than the actual art scene itself is. And uh, I would also say that a lot of the granting and support organizations really don't support the edge and diversity of the artists who are here. And a lot of these artists are national and international artists. They may be local, but their, their reputations are built elsewhere and they are a lot of the city's major cultural ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have two video pieces. Um, they one looks like a kind of black obelisk. Uh, it's sort of it kind of looks like a skyscraper, right, with a <laughs> pointed white top, and there are what looks like the image of bees in in a silhouette moving around inside. The other one is a horizontal long. A rectangular box and the screen on the end of that has a cat moving around like a cat in a box kind of thing. What are these? Well uh, these are two pieces by the artist Laura Fritt but uh, the two pieces are Transposition and this is Alvarium 3. Alvarium is uh, a beehive and uh, uh, Laura's really interested in um, 
art deco and uh, uh, craftsman style architecture. I said uh, Frank Lloyd Wright as well, and she just kind of melded a lot of those things. Also, uh, Mies van der Rohe, she's from sh Chicago, and uh, kind of melded the, them together. She also worked with o OSU's uh, state honeybee lab uh, and the top bee scientists in the state and this is a an actual a beehive that is fighting uh, hive collapse syndrome so it's a video of bees that's made into a silhouette yeah and it's it, it, yeah it's extremely realistic so if you're scared of bees this will trigger you mm -hmm. uh, also if you like kitties transposition <laughs> will trigger that as well and it's very difficult for me I I should uh, 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 it's not uh, one bit of information. This is my partner, and I lived with this cat for mm -hmm. numerous years. The, the, oh, that uh, was your lovely cat that died a few years ago? Yeah, uh, his name was Sid, and he started some of her most famous video pieces. And he had tremendous personality, and he actually inspired Transposition very much because he liked to get into boxes and explore them. Mm -hmm. That inspired her to... Uh, what she liked about it is the way that... Uh, this animal perceived space and looked around it, but also engaged and kind of elicited this empathetic response. And the same thing is with the bees. There's this empathetic response because you recognize it as bees you think, but you're not entirely certain. She wants you to work that way. Well, Sid was the Tom Cruise of cats. He, <laughs> he, he, he knew he had everybody's attention all right, the time. Right, right. <laughs> um, in the corner, you've got two Sean Healy pieces. Now, Sean shows that Liz Leach, uh, he often does things with like cigarette butts and um, traced metal, cut out metal, mm -hmm. things like that. But these are just, I think, charcoal drawings on paper. Yeah, a lot of uh, water jet cut acrylics and stuff like that. This is actually kind of a return to an early love of his. Mm -hmm. uh, is this charcoal? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. And, uh, Big. Big drawings. And I love that it's held up with clothespins because it's kind of airing laundry a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, his, oh, yeah. his birth records were unsealed uh, during the pandemic by uh, the state of New York, and which never expected to have happen. It just happened, and he found his birth parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, his son has gone off to college, so he's an empty nester as well. So there's a, this, uh, this empty nest is a very loaded thing. And when you curate a show about animal art, you kind of think, okay, how many monkeys, how many bears, how many mm -hmm. nests, how many birds, how many insects are you going to have? You, you have to think about just raw numbers. But I think if you're going to have an empty nest drawing, this is one of the most powerful you can imagine because mm -hmm. it, it, he's found his birth parents and, and with all the baggage that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, a, it was a surprise, I think. Yeah, he hadn't it's not like he asked for that information. It just came his way. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful drawing of a nest because it's very circular. The nest hole, it's jet black. And then the shadow of the nest too is jet black on this white paper. And then there's the kind of chaos of the twigs uh, that stick out that are not really finished. You know, the bird didn't really... I mean, most of it looks pretty well woven, but some of it is just wild. It's, it's an extremely existential bird's nest. Um, and uh, 
you know, and that's what a lot of this show is about. Human beings are having a tough time speaking to one another uh, and having empathy for one another, but somehow having animal things uh, gives an intermediary and a, a, a enough remove that you can maybe engage in a little empathy or 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 think about or step out of yourself and into something else, mm -hmm. which is what art is good at doing. Mm -hmm. It does serve a purpose. What are these uh, f small uh, sort of postcard-sized color photos of insects mating? Uh, these are uh, a, a series by Malia Jensen. Uh, she's been doing this series for a very long time. Uh, it's called Insects, and literally it's a bunch of different insects doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, she's been working on this theme for a very long time. And she showed this originally during, at the height of the pandemic, and she's been working on this series since 1998. Oh, wow. and, um, and she showed this at Liz Leach in the height of the pandemic in 2021. And, she was like, well, you know, it would be embarrassing not to be in this show. Uh, she, like most of the artists, do a lot of animal work. And that, mm -hmm. that was actually kind of the litmus test. It couldn't just be a little bit of animal work. You have to have a whole series oh, okay. and a kind of focus on animals. She the, does like the salt licks and the, a lot of salt and the licks. game photography, she, those cameras. A, a giant plywood wildlife. beaver at Wyden and yeah, Kennedy. Right, yeah. You know, it's, it, these are all artists who do this. And they're all natural fans of one another work but also natural um what, what can i say natural competitors for commissions and sales and other things so mm -hmm. uh which is kind of a little bit but what's great about portland is nobody's really willing to like step on somebody else's face to climb up a rung in the ladder this is not new york city and that's what i love about portland where you know it's sort of like okay we're natural competitors but it's great that I can see this work and they can actually appreciate each other and be in the same room. Mm -hmm. And with the with the whole Gen X kind of, you know, mid-career artist thing, mm -hmm. how do how do you think artists who've worked here and stayed here survive? You know, do they get like commissions for public art? And a lot of these artists have had major commissions with public art things. A lot of people have taught like like, you know, someone like Ralph Puget used to teach, and a lot of them are leaving teaching now. Because mm -hmm. um, teaching sucks, generally? Yeah, the, uh, uh, I, I would say that the higher education system is in uh, for, uh, systemic collapse uh, right now, because uh, uh, unless you're a state school or have a tremendous endowment, you can't weather the economic uh, maelstrom that's been set up where basically every university their accreditation is tied to the uh, payback rates of the student loans. So you either need students who don't need loans or you need to have a lot of money to throw at them so that they don't need to um, pay back all that much. Mm -hmm. And things like state schools also have, mm -hmm. you know, the backings of their states. Uh, and can, can artists survive here? without a local gallery and just have like a, a national career? A lot of people do. Uh, I mean, an artist like this who's another one of my favorite art pieces in the show, uh, she lives down in Eugene, uh, Julia Oldham, and this is Laika's Lullaby. It's one of my three favorite art pieces of all mm. time, and there and three that are in the show. Laika the dog? Laika the dog, okay. and this is... So a, it looks like a picture of the sun where you can see the sunspots and flares and things, and then a, a, a spacecraft, like an old 60s shuttle thing, mm -hmm. and as, it's on a screen as a headset, headphones. Laika was the first terrestrial being shot into space, the first astronaut 
did not volunteer, did not know what they were volunteering for, and after 45 years it became unsealed what her last moments were like. And this is literally a cartoon snuff flick, mm -hmm. of, and it is incredibly hard to watch. Uh, and but it's also the the first piece I added to the show because I knew that we have scientists looking at this and uh, we've got ecologists looking at this sort of thing how do you meld an interest in animals and science this is a classic piece of art mm -hmm. and, and uh, Julia doesn't have any representation in the state of Oregon mm -hmm. but she shows all over the world and, and a lot of artists are like that in this show. And, and then there's, there's some younger ones, too, who are just coming out um, uh, and, and just starting to get their uh, careers together. And group shows are great for providing those ladders because a lot of times a gallerist can't see how an artist works in their show unless they see you next to one of their artists. Even if they do a studio visit, they don't make the connection. Uh, even if they know that they can sell the work, they don't necessarily go there because they're like, I don't know if it fits. Mm -hmm. it, 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 and what I'm, I guess one of the things I'm good at is sort of seeing how things fit in my head before they actually are physically put into a room. Mm -hmm. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week was curator Jeff Yarn. His show, Biomass, a group show, is on now at 608 Northwest 13th on Saturdays and first Thursday. You can also find it on Facebook, and it runs through August 27th. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus in person, Jeff. My pleasure, and it's great to see you. Andy, whoa, whoa, looks a scream. Andy, mon, now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Andy, whoa, whoa, silver scream. Can't tell them apart at all. Oh, oh, oh.